Kia ora, I'm Andrew from Aro Video in Wellington, New Zealand and welcome to episode 17 of Back to the Disc Player, the Aro Video podcast. It's inspired by our Adopter Movie Scheme, which enables film lovers to purchase an exclusive lifelong affiliation with a title in our library or an acquisition that we may not have. It's where I get the privilege to talk to our customers about their personal connection to the film or films they've chosen to adopt and for us to find out a bit about them as well. Episode 17 is with Mary Fawcett, who is about to bravely enter into the bricks and mortar retail game, opening a bookstore in the progressive suburb of Patoni, curiously called Schrodinger's. Why someone would want to get into the book retailing game in this day and age is a fascinating question to which she has some really compelling answers. She's brimming with an anticipation about the new venture and has an infectious enthusiasm, not only for books, but films, science and something she called event running, which is not to be confused with running an event. And she's also chosen a film by Spanish auteur Pedro Almodovar as her adopter movie choice, um, and it was nice to get to talk about his career as well. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation with the delightful Mary Fawcett. Hello, Mary, and welcome to Upstairs at Aro Video. Hello. Um, and uh, I must say, you're looking very well and relaxed for somebody who is a, about to embark on opening a retail store, a bookstore, next month. How's next that week. all going? Next week? Yes, next week. Tell me how, yes. it's, how you're feeling. Um, well, I think hysteria is very well um, hidden. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, it's very exciting, but it is. Um, we've had a few setbacks which have caused quite a lot of stress over the last week or so. So, yeah, mm-hmm. we open um, a week on Saturday. Wow. Mm. Um, yep, you did give me a, um, an invitation to the opening party, I but did that indeed. is a bit after you open. Yeah, though, that's that on right? the fifth of September. Sure. Yeah. So they say what can go wrong does go wrong. But, oh yes, but, it has. Um, it must be very exciting is this kind of a, a, a dream come true this enterprise yeah this, in, uh... in a lot of ways it is um i used to work in um a secondhand bookshop and also a waterstones in london mm-hmm. a whole lifetime ago and i just adore books so when the opportunity sort of arose it uh, my business partner and i were just having a chat over a glass of wine and um the conversation kind of meandered into why not um, so we both moulded over for a while, and and so it, I don't know if actually opening a bookshop has been a, a lifelong dream as such. I think that the thought of opening or, or starting a business has always been totally terrifying. Not the type of thing I'd ever do. Mm. But um, when you start thinking, and you'll probably know this, once you start thinking about something that you are passionate about, the two kind of come together, and it sort of it takes on a life of its own. Exactly, yeah. and it kind of rolls away, and you're kind of running after it. <laughs> So over a glass of wine, you were talking with your your friend yeah, and and, yeah. and uh, upcoming business partner. Yes, yeah, so she was my friend. She was my friend. She's still my friend, Nikki. <laughs> Long may that continue. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, who is now my business partner? We, we yes, we'd been to uh, the lighthouse in Petoni, and I couldn't for the life of me remember what film we saw. Hmm. But we had a glass of wine afterwards, and it just it was a, just an organic conversation that hmm. sort of led to well, let's let's do this. Mm-hmm. Do you want to? Yes, and neither of us was particularly, I certainly wasn't happy in my job, and I think she'd felt a little bit as if um, there was more out there, Um, and so it just seemed to be the right time to start thinking about it. Mm. Do you bring each complementary skills? Uh, are you? Do you have a particular forte, and and she does as well? Explain a little bit about that dynamic. Um, 
she always calls me the people person. So I'm the one who kind of goes out and talks to people and sort of gets all those sort of human relationships going. And she's, if I say she's behind the scenes, that's not really fair to her. Um, but she's sort of, she's the cogs, getting everything sort of ship shape and Bristol fashion, as it were. So mm. um, she's very, very good with the computer and um, with money. Mm. I can't, oh, my maths is appalling. So mm-hmm. um, I do rely on her very much to sort of keep that side of things going while I'm out talking to the reps and, and um, making relationships with sort of the schools and cinema, um, yeah, cinemas and libraries, etc. So, mm. yeah, I think we do complement each other quite well. And how's that, how's the dynamic been working in terms of building up to this point, you know, you know from, from the moment of uh, the, the idea takes inception yeah. and the journey you've had so far, is that, is it all going, yeah. are you working well and, uh, and, uh, and, and I guess not so much your relationship, it's more um, your, um, your domain, the thing that you are looking after, is there? Uh, yeah, so that? I mean it's been, we, we sort of registered the company um, back sort of December last year and so it's been a really long process, uh, we, were, we hoped to open um, in the middle of the year but because of sort of unforeseen circumstances it's been a bit dragged out so in that sense what we've been planning has been sort of dragged out as well so because we're both working other jobs we kind of find that we start focusing on on what we're working at elsewhere and then keep having to come back to it and now these last couple of months it's just been a whirlwind Mm. Um, you know we've had to sort out getting our shelves built because we're going into a completely empty shell Mm -hmm. as it were so it's been earthquake strengthened and it's the most beautiful property um it's got all its original features um it's on obviously on jackson street so they took out the stained glass windows and all the original tiles right kept them safe did all the work on it and now they put them all back so it's absolutely beautiful so so may i ask you were at the um the lighthouse in Petoni and yeah, having your yeah. glass of wine. Yes, yes. And uh, so often a location and a specific building or something mm-hmm. will suggest itself to, to, to somebody as there's a good place for a business and then the conversation starts from there. Yeah. So you came up with the idea first and then went looking for a location. How did that happen? Yes and no. So we decided that we, we wanted to do this um, and we kind of mulled it over for a while. And for us, it Petoni was a, you know, it was a thing, you know, why... There's nowhere else as good as Petoni. Mm. There are t- sort of two reasons for that. One is that Nikki um, lives in the area, she lives in Korokoro, so she knows Petoni as her shopping area, as yeah. it were. For me, I was a student and then a tutor at Welltech for you know, way too many years. Um, and so for me, going to Petoni has always been... It, it feels not quite like home, but it's somewhere that I'm very familiar with, and I, I just love... And if you look at Jackson Street, there's a Paper Plus, which is great, mm. but that's all that's there now. There are no other bookshops, and sure. it's it's a place that's crying out for a bookshop. It's it's somewhere that's um, you know there, there's new properties, you know, uh, renovations happening all over the place. Mm. It's it's the most amazingly vibrant place. Mm. So it just seemed to be the obvious location, really. Yeah. Um, well, that, that does explain uh, why Petoni. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think. Um, because and not only Waipatoni, but but you know finding that gap in the market, which yeah, is so crucial yeah. to opening any business, mm. and uh, so I think you're right that that it does seem like a really good match. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, and we waited quite a while to get the property that we've got. Um, so that was that was another. So I won't call it a delay, but we we waited a few months before we found what we considered to be the ideal location. Mm. 
um, and it is it's right in the heart of mm-hmm. Jackson Street. So, yeah. so if you've got a prime location and it has mm. those features you've just explained, that means it comes with a pretty price <laughs> tag. I, Let's I, you not know, those, talk about that. No, but, the, the, but that's <laughs> but yeah, that's, yeah, that's the gamble, isn't yeah, it? it? It's kind of we, we did have a choice to go somewhere cheaper, mm. but we both felt that we would be doing both ourselves a disservice and mm. also the people of, of Patoni because, mm. you know, we're surrounded by coffee shops and mm. there's no way either of us is interested in selling coffee. Mm. So, yes, we could make more money on doing other things if we mm. were in a cheaper property up the road, but we wanted yeah. to be right in, in the heart of it. Yeah. So, yes, it, you're absolutely right, it is more expensive, but so worth it. Sure, yeah, well, I, yeah. <laughs> she just crossed her fingers, ladies and gentlemen. Um now, uh, the, the name of the, the store is Schrodinger's Bookshop. Schrodinger's uh, Books. Schrodinger's Books. Mm-hmm. And that was something that uh, when you told me about it a few months ago, uh, you, um, you you kind of looked at me and I kind of registered a blank. Uh, I have to say, pardon my <laughs> ignorance, but uh, I know your name's not Schrodinger. No, but I was uh, quite prepared to change it by Deepol if I had sure, to. Sure, <laughs> sure. I was going to yeah, bring that up. Um, but... Um, but uh, Schrodinger was, uh, Schrodinger's cat theory was not something that was that's something you explained to me, mm-hmm. uh, and I wasn't familiar with it. Pardon my ignorance, because no, uh, no. I've talked to other people about this, and uh, everybody else seems to have heard of it. Oh uh, no, not everybody. Um, I it, I won't even say. A lot of people know Schrodinger's cat, mm-hmm. and a lot of people don't. And the, those who don't hear the cat bit and then go and look it up and go oh I know because they don't mm. perhaps they know the the quantum theory but they don't know what it's called mm. so once you start talking about it oh yeah 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 and those who do know it go oh yeah I know exactly what you're talking about mm, sure so, yeah so tell me how did you have uh, long um, wine fueled conversations <laughs> talking about what you would name your bookshop how, how did it come about actually it was one of the easier things so um, we we sort of had a few discussions about what we should be called and, and none of them were really getting to you know gripping us um, Nikki and I are both very very much into into animals and particularly cats we both have cats mm. and we both, Nikki's a scientist and I used to teach anatomy and physiology, so we both got that kind of interest in science. Right. And it just, one night, neither of us can remember who said it first. We both feel like we both said it at the same time, wow. which is quite amazing. And so mm. because, because we feel that, it stuck. Mm. And then we decided we'd, we'd adopt it as our working title. And it's just stayed because we mm. like it. And it's a shame that it's it's a it's an interesting name, Schrodinger. But so I've had a few calls from um, couriers saying, "Oh, I'm trying to find sh sh sh," and they have no clue how to say it. But at least we know what they're saying, <laughs> <laughs> so we can we can direct them. So sure. it doesn't matter. Well, if there's don't never know. a perfect name, is there? There's no, always a, a little not. downside. But I think exactly. based on your your story, I think it is the perfect name. Mm. Uh, and mm. and, and uh, and uh, even though I wasn't familiar with the name initially, yeah, it it, um, it didn't take long for me to yeah, for I, it to roll off the tongue. Yes, yeah, so and it's, it's a great name. <laughs> and I've I've had a lot of people saying to me, "Oh, I didn't know what it meant, but I looked it up." And um, and then they're coming back and saying, "Oh, so with with the books, um, a book is neither good nor bad until you open it and read it." And hmm. will we come in and the shop will be open or closed? Who knows? And so it's it's actually prompting you know quite a lot of nice discussion. So. True enough, but you're getting ahead of yourself, Mary, because there are some people like me that you know won't get that illusion you've just made. Ah. Uh, so. I know that uh, I did prep you for this conversation to explain what Schrodinger's theory was. 
did you come up with uh, anything vaguely intelligible or succinct or well I did mm -hmm. um, but to explain the theory I'd have to explain Schrodinger's equation which to mm -hmm. be honest with you is too much maths for me as sure. I said before I'm absolutely rubbish at maths mm -hmm. um, but Schrodinger's cat comes from a famous thought experiment in quantum mechanics so um, sure yeah well I can see that you're not going to go any <laughs> you're reluctant I to could. go any further I absolutely could well I, I did have um, I, I knew that, the, that it would be a, a tricky thing because um, it's it's very well well, it's very conceptual, and 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 quantum physics itself is uh, is in itself a um, a paradoxical oh, kind of concept. Yeah. So, um, so I did look up YouTube just mm -hmm. to sort of get my head around what it actually meant, and found a little clip that you might want to actually have a look at and see if you think that this is um, yeah as good an explanation as any. Schrodinger's cat refers to a thought experiment proposed by the renowned physicist Erwin Schrodinger, who used it to illustrate the weirdness of quantum theory. Quantum theory says that until a particle is measured and observed, it actually exists in all the states it could possibly be in simultaneously. So if there is a statistical probability that this particle could be found here in one state, here in another state, here in another state, and here in another state, then the particle will in fact be existing in all of those states at once. This is referred to as the particle being in a superposition. When the particle is measured, the superposition collapses and the particle chooses one state to be in over all of the others and this is the state that our measuring instrument will observe. If this is true, then it should apply to larger objects since all matter is made up of particles. But of course, we know that that does not happen. We observe larger objects occupying only one state. Schrodinger came up with the cat example to bring home just how odd the behaviour of particles as described by quantum theory is. In this experiment, a cat is placed in a covered box with a radioactive sample that has a 50% chance of decaying and killing the cat. While the box is covered, we have no idea if the cat is dead or alive, and only once we open the box will we know if the cat made it or not. So if we think of the cat like a particle, using the superposition principle, we would say that while the box was covered and the cat was not being observed, the cat was both dead and alive in order for it to be in all the states it could possibly be in. Only when we lifted the box to observe the cat, that is, once we carried out our act of measurement, did the cat's superposition collapse for it to be either dead or alive. Common sense tells us that before we uncovered the box, the cat was either dead or alive, but not both at the same time, and our act of observing didn't force one outcome over the other. But common sense is not something that we can cling on to when studying the quantum realm. So there's a certain amount of clarity around that. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, uh, the one thing that I, I suppose, sort of, um, it's, yeah, it's that whole thing that, that the cat is in both states at mm. any one time. So it's, it's almost like parallel worlds. Mm. So, yeah, um, it's, it's to do with the observer, mm. where, where, which, you know, where, where, where the observer is observing determines whether or not the cat is alive or dead. I suppose. Sure. And it's it always makes me think of um, the whole you know does does a tree fall in the woods or can, can you hear the tree mm. falling you know if yeah. if if no one's there it's it's a similar indeed it's a similar thing but yeah. Um, 
But that's the equation, and I don't understand it at all. Oh, okay. I can't possibly translate that. No, um, I don't even verbally. Know what... um, Do but you know all um... this? I have no idea what this. Is. But you know, that's that's why I can't explain it because I'm not a quantum mechanic or sure. physicist. So yeah. I'm like everyone else, and just you know, the cat's either alive or dead, depending on. Yeah, I, I couldn't help but when when I was researching it and, and getting into the rabbit hole, literally yeah, yeah, in yeah. quantum physics is that there must have been an awful lot of academic energy yeah. spent on oh on, gosh, on yeah. this theoretical stuff which yeah. may or may not be a load of baloney yeah. uh, I mean that's yeah. uh, that, you know <laughs> and physicists love all this you know for them mm. it's um, so my, my colleague at my other work he's a physicist and he just he sent me the, the equation he said oh you shouldn't be talking about um, the theory just you know it's all to do with the equation I said, yeah, but I don't understand any blah, 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 blah. Right. talking about all the, the symbols and what they're called. I, I can't talk yep. about that. Yeah. So do you fear being asked in the bookshop, you know, being asked about Schrodinger's no, theory? No, you see, I don't mind because I keep it, I try to keep it as straightforward as possible and mm. my explanation is pretty much um, cat in a box with some poison is the cat, you know, has the cat eaten the poison? Mm. We don't know until we open the box. So mm. the cat could be either alive or dead until we open the box and we see. Whereas... A scientist or a physicist or a quantum mechanics explanation will be a lot longer and more in depth. Mm, sure. And both of them are correct. But there was, is, is one main point as, as well to, to Schrodinger's experiment, and that was he was debunking a yeah, certain yeah. interpretation of quantum yeah. Uh, yeah. physics. Mm-hmm. So it, it is a, um, a kind of cynic's eye view in some way. Oh, completely. Way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and other, I mean, Einstein did a version of it as well. And did mm. he use gunpowder? I can't remember. But um, you know, there are all there are variations mm. on it. You mentioned the, the the tree falling in the woods, and I came up with something maybe a little more morbid, <laughs> which was this idea that you know we don't know whether we have cancer or not. No, exactly. You know, so exactly. I don't have cancer because well, I haven't because been diagnosed <laughs> with cancer. But yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> if I go and get a checkup, it will be observed, and yeah. another reality will. Uh, yeah, will we'll yeah. take place. That is quite morbid. Mm. <laughs> um, Mary, another. Um, I was going to ask you about you know, your transition from your day job. So how yeah. does that work? Are you anticipating going in full time, part time? How are you going to to well, work? Well, I think it? I think we both love to go in full time, but because of the nature of um, setting up a business and using our life savings on it. To begin with, we're not going to earn anything. So both of us have elected to keep on a couple of days at our existing jobs just to, you know, buy the bread and milk. <laughs> sure, yeah. And other things. So. Um, and you're working in Petoni, so it's going to yeah. be a stone's throw from the shop. Yes, so um, I already work, yet yeah, out there, so I'm used to the, the journey out there, which yeah, yeah, I love. Yeah. You're in retail at the moment? No, I work at Welltech oh, okay, as a right. research assistant. Right, right. But you were in retail yes, fairly recently. Yes, I was. I was working at Shoe Clinic in Lower Hutt. Sure. While, which was awesome. Because your, what, what, was the, uh, what was your role at Shoe Clinic? It was oh. a bit more than just selling pairs of shoes. No, it wasn't. I was a, I was a shoe technician. Well, so. that, that's more than selling <laughs> pairs of shoes. Yes. Um, so I what was. does a shoe technician do? Sells shoes. Um, <laughs> fits people for the um, correct... <laughs> that's the boss's version. Now, what's your version? Fits people for the correct running shoe for their foot and for their type of running. Okay. So, so you were a running shoe specialist? Yes. So yes, you didn't primarily. sell ordinary 
shoes. We did sell some ordinary shoes Street as well, shoes. but it was pretty much just running running shoes, netball shoes, yeah. um, etc. That kind of yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, I loved it. What did you love about it? Um, talking to people, actually. Mm-hmm. I really loved the different people who came in and the conversations you strike up with people in just that snapshot of time that they're in. And they're telling you stories about why they're after a particular shoe. And sometimes I identify with that being a runner. Mm-hmm. And I'm able to advise them from the technical point of view from my training and also from a personal point of view from my own experience. Oh, I don't buy that shoe because I, I wore that shoe up that hill and it was rubbish. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, yeah, I just I really, really enjoyed those those sort of little relationships. And then when people came back you know, X months later and said, oh, that shoe you told me was fantastic. Mm. Now here's my friend, fit her with a right. shoe or him with a shoe. Or um, now you you gave me a, a, a road running shoe, now I want to try trails, mm-hmm. so give me a new shoe. Okay. And yeah, I really like that. Okay, so you're passionate about people and um, so. and, and, and running shoes. Yeah. And running. Yes, so why did you give up the job at the at the retail? Oh, um, it was a it was a stopgap. Okay. Yeah. So I um, I left a job which I was unhappy at, and realised that I needed a job, hmm. and so that that kind of tidied me over for mm-hmm. a while until I found something until the bookshop. Yep. Eventuated. You were telling me a bit about your 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 running, <laughs> and uh, you were talking about butterflies before you do anything yeah. like uh, go oh on podcast gosh. interviews, but also um, event running. So just tell us about that a uh, little bit of masochism. Yeah, uh, in, yeah. Invested in the so sport. I've not been running. My my friend Catherine um, challenged me uh, about eight years or so ago. Um, to we both wanted to do something with our lives, and so she said, right. Let's start running. So she challenged me to do a an event, a running event, once a month for an entire year, um, and we did that, and it was it was fantastic. And it, I just got the bug, the running bug. Mm. And so I've still I still do six events a year, which is ridiculously expensive, but it's so much mm. fun. Expensive um, in terms of the travel or, uh, or what? En- entry fees. So yeah. the the the, the further you run, the more expensive it okay. is. Mm-hmm. Um, we tend to go off and do things like the Tussock Traverse, which is at Pakapapa. Mm-hmm. Um, things around the bays is obviously a little bit cheaper because it's it's mm-hmm. local. Why are there fees in the first place? Are, are there huge administration yeah, costs? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you think about around the bays, they have to close huge areas of road for you know more than half a day. There's a lot of preparation. I love. I have no problem paying the fees. It's just they are really really expensive. So uh, and there, it's all staffed by volunteers. And I've I've volunteered as well. Mm-hmm. I, I volunteered at the Woo 2K a couple of months ago, which was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And that's the um, Wellington um, Urban. Ultramarathon. Right. Yeah. When you say volunteered, do you mean as an organiser? Um, I was a marshal. Okay. So people were, were herring down the tip track and I was pointing right. them in the right direction. Okay. Um, running sounds like fun when the weather is nice. What about oh my gosh, yeah. What, oh, what about... I'm a fair weather runner. Ooh. Fair weather runner. <laughs> mm. I hate running in the cold and the rain. But I do. I have to. Right. When you're training. And do you ever... Tell yourself while you are running and you're kind of, you know, three quarters, you know, uh, um, through the track. And uh, do you ever say, why the heck am I putting myself no, through this? No, actually, it's, it's like with the butterflies. Mm-hmm. Um, if, I, if I think about it too much, before... If, so I run twice a week um, with a group on Mondays and Wednesdays. 
and if it's a bit drizzly I'll go oh I don't know if I want to do this and then when I'm actually doing it it can mm. be chucking it down I mean what how cold was it on yesterday mm. frost yeah it was pretty cold oh my gosh mm-hmm. absolutely freezing mm. but once I actually started running it mm. was fantastic mm. so yeah so the exhilaration kicks in yep it's just I lack motivation right so after you've finished a run so I'm so the primary uh, you know the competitive angle is is, is not so much part of it it's the social no, thing yeah, it's the, f- so. the physical challenge I'm competitive with myself right so I want I want to improve on my previous time and I mm-hmm. know that the older I get that's just not happening yeah but um, I still love doing it mm. Mm. and it is very social you're right it's very social and I guess the stress relief when you are thinking about all these yeah. things like opening up bookshops and stuff yeah, and so you've actually, got a different activity Yes, to, uh, going running on. twice a week actually sort of takes me out of that and I, I get an hour to just, I say have fun, <laughs> mm. but yeah, to, to stop thinking about bookshop things, mm-hmm. which has been really, really good. Yeah, sure. Mm. Um, well, that would be why, um, firstly, I was going to ask you, have you seen the film Free to Run? That, that popped into my head. No, I haven't the, the actually, documentary. but I, I, did, I, I saw it yeah. when I was just wandering around. Sure, but I, I, I haven't actually that. seen it. But, um, mm. but I did see Britney one. Runs a Marathon. Oh, you did at the film festival. <laughs> the film festival, yeah. Um, I heard it's good. I liked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And not just for runners. No, although yeah. I don't really like her very much, I have to say. I can't think but of I who did... it is. Pardon? I can't think of who the actress no, is. No, not can I actually. Right. But okay. No, I didn't. I didn't like her character that okay. much. Yeah. Um, but I, I sort of liked what the film was was about, sure. and I, I found it quite inspiring that you know someone can go from. Um, binge drinking and you know fish and chips every night mm-hmm. to running the New York Marathon. Yeah, you know if, if, if so she can do that, anyone can. Um, so she's out of shape, and uh, is, is it American? She, yeah, she, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's uh, is it comedy drama? What's it, the tone? It tries to be comedy. I don't, right. It's sort of comedy-ish, but it wasn't that yeah. funny. Right. But that could be because I had so much stress in my head. Right. I found with all the film festival films, I was just kind of every so often drifting off and going, oh my God, I forgot to phone that person back or etc. So Okay, so your yeah. concentration wasn't at its sharpest. No. Fair enough too. But I think that the talking about the running answers my question about why you don't look like a woman on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Although I feel like it. Sure. <laughs> so that brings me to my next question. Uh, part of the, the show. Um, it's a mandatory requirement to adopt a movie in the Ara Video Library. Mm-hmm. I put you through hell uh, going through that process you did, of selection. Actually. Yeah, because so my first probably... choice you just laughed at and refused to let me have. Yeah, I said, <laughs> I, I said uh, listeners, that uh, no, 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 she don't. says AVP, <laughs> and my reply on Messenger was AVP question mark WTF. It was exactly that, yes. Yeah. And That's such a good film. Is I've it? got the collector's edition. I wouldn't know. Oh. I, okay. Um, but <laughs> there's always a, there's always somebody that likes, you know, any given film. Yes. So uh, that's a. <laughs> so a, a, AVP for those that don't know is Alien versus Predator. So it's mm-hmm. two. 20th century Fox franchises coming together to battle it out. Oh my god, it's so good. It, 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 what's good about it? Just quickly. I can't. It's just genius. Just Everything genius. about it is perfect. Sure. Yeah, right. and the collector's edition is, okay. is the best. You've got your credibility as a as a highbrow 
book retailer on the line here. So let's. Just, I told you let's not just in pull, confidence. Let's just pull your reputation back and go back to uh, Pedro Almodovar. Yes, which my got very me favorite director. far more excited. Um, mm-hmm. And um, he is a living legend. He absolutely uh, is. Spanish director, born in 1949. He's made 21 films in mm-hmm. 39 years. Um, now you, you, the problem with you were mentioning AVP, and you wanted you even mentioned Pulp Fiction, which mm-hmm. uh, you know has already Fantastic been adopted, film. I'm mm-hmm. afraid. Uh, so, and that would have been topical given Tarantino's latest has just been released. Which was um, indeed. Now, but Almodovar was something that uh, you were struggling with which film to pick. Completely. So what were, what were you thinking? So why Almodovar and what were you, what was going through, what were the choices that were running through your head? I have always loved Almodovar. Mm-hmm. Um, many, many years, when I first met my husband, Zach, um, he, he gave me film education classes because when, when we met, I didn't go to the cinema at all and I knew pretty much nothing, mm. I'm embarrassed to say. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, there, there are classics you have to watch and he made me watch certain films. Mm-hmm. And this was one of them. And I just absolutely loved him. Mm-hmm. And for one Christmas or birthday, I bought Zach a box set of our mode of our films and gave it to him thinking, well, as a thinly disguised, actually, I wanted them. Right. <laughs> and I think he always knew that. But mm. um, I just, I think our mode of our is an absolute genius. I think he's, he does humour in such a fantastic way. And, and he, he touches on, on subjects, he touches on politics in such a way that I don't think anyone else could. Mm. And I just respect him for that, mm. and I can't wait for his new film. Mm, mm, true, yeah, mm. there's a new one um, uh, called uh, Pain and Glory, yeah, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, not not on this year's film festival. No, so that sadly. was yeah. I don't mm. know why that was. Maybe it's. Uh, oh no, I was thinking of the last one, which was a turkey, not Julieta. That was his no, last um, one. But I'm so excited. I'm so excited that Be- barely I loved got it, a release. Terrible, it's a shocking film. Um, easily his worst. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, it, did, but it has some redeeming features. I can't remember them. So, women on the verge of a women, plural, mm-hmm. on the verge yes, of a nervous so breakdown. Nikki. So, there are multiple women having nervous yep. breakdowns in the film, 1988 film. Mm-hmm. So, this was, was this the first one that you saw of his oeuvre? Do you know, I, I can't remember. I yeah. actually can't remember, but um, it, mm-hmm. it had a real effect on me. And yeah. I, can't, I, I can't remember. I have a really bad memory. I can't remember the actual ins and outs of it, but it stayed with me. And the fact that it has um, Antonio Banderas in it, who I wasn't expecting. I didn't realise he was going to be that good. Mm. And he was. He was absolutely brilliant. So, and what's it, Carmen Mora. Mm. Um, She's just fantastic. I just, I I love, I love the, again, I love the humour of it. And I I love, I love how he's filmed it. You know, she she's she's in the background with her glasses on, looking kind of um, frumpy, doing all the voiceovers mm. to this glamorous scene, to the glamorous scenes. And I just, I, I love the idea of that. You know, mm. someone who just kind of goes home by themselves and has a cup of tea and some beans on toast, and then they're actually the voice for, mm. you know, a glamorous woman Indeed. in the film. Yeah, so yeah, you know, yeah. there's a lot more to it. But I think I think this one did set the the template for the uh, the, the Almodovar trademark you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, visually yeah. it was the one that kind of became yeah. one where he established that color palette and I that uh, say, yeah, and that sense of uh, um, 
and and also in which women were very much the centre of the film. Exactly. So so it was something that um, it, it somewhat started with that. Even though, um, yeah. So our mode of our esque pretty much started yeah. with this film, even though yeah. it was his seventh film. Yeah. Um, because he he started his first feature was 1980, mm. and he he really. Um, uh, you know, just looking into him, his, his rebellious artistic spirit was able to be unleashed after the death of Franco. Yeah. The, 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 you know, the forty-year tyranny, if you like, of Franco, and and that was he died in nineteen seventy-five, and so that was perfect timing exactly. for a for a kind of rebellious uh, uh, youth to want, want to express himself in mm. any way he could. Uh, and in fact, his debut film, um, Pepe, uh, Pepe. Uh, Pepe Lucy Bomb, Lucy yeah. I beg your pardon. The reason I can't remember the title is it's the only film, apart from his brand new one, that we actually don't have in the oh, library. Really? Um, oh. I mean, least of all, it had a... Um, it featured a golden shower scene, which was kind of very <laughs> indicative of where... That. of his kind of punk ethos, mm, mm. you know, in 1980. Yeah. And, of course, why we uh, didn't see it released in little old New Zealand back in 1980. Uh, so it's one, I think, um, that we struggled to get a classification for. Um, I'll digress slightly um, to, to Matador as well, I have to tell you. Mm-hmm. That I think Matador was the first film that I saw of El Motivar, oh. which is precedes Women on the Verge. Mm-hmm. It was 1986, and the film was heavily cut... Aww. in its opening scene here in New Zealand by Chief Censor Jane Wrightson. And the scene involved uh, the, the male protagonist masturbating, you know, uh, implied masturbation, mm-hmm. uh, to a uh, video of some showroom dummies being slaughtered Fantastic. Uh, with, with bandsaws. <laughs> It's kind of you like that. That, 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 that was about. It opens the film. Mm-hmm. It's about a minute and a half, and that was excised completely. So the beginning of the videotape just comes in at this random moment. We like have no idea what's going it, on. Well, yeah, oh, it, or, or it's just completely um, artless. Yeah. Without that prelude. Mm, oh my gosh. Anyway, it's restored on the DVD oh, event, you know, 10 years later or whenever it was. I mean, anyway, I had to throw that one in. Yeah. Another dig to the, you know. Damn those the, uh, That's right. Um, another uh, a quote that came to mind in describing Almodova was Nick Cave once said that a young man's obligation is to find disgrace and an older man's one is to find grace. Nice. And I don't know if I've quoted that verbatim because I couldn't find the actual <laughs> quote. But, Sounds good, though. But I think that's Almodovar as well, it's that totally he made is. all of those transgressive uh, mm. uh, kind of uh, personal political films um, in, his, in his youth or, or certainly late 20s yeah. and, and then um, transitioned into an elegant and mature filmmaker who also dealt with taboo themes and not Completely. afraid to go there. Mm. And uh, and I and dealing with them in very interesting ways. Um, I know another film that you were thinking about was Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down. Yes. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> also a, Antonio Banderas. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. No, mm. that fantastic film. And, and again, when I first met Zach, um, he had a poster of that above his bed. Right. And a, a giant, giant poster. And I was just really taken with it. And mm. got, what, we, we actually bought it from London, and it's now framed in our right. sitting room. So you had to it's compete fantastic. with Victoria Abril. Oh. Is that what you're saying? 
not at all. <laughs> um, yeah, I did. I, I did think I liked women on the verge of a nervous breakdown, but I, when I saw Time Me Up, Time Me Down, which was about a year later, mm. and I saw it, admittedly on the big screen, as opposed to video, and it did blow me away yeah it's um, an it, amazing it, yeah. film I have not seen it since and I'm a little scared to watch it yeah. again in case <laughs> it's all wrong but I, yeah. if I remember rightly the the uh, it borrows from the the, the plot of The Collector uh, which is about a, a man a slightly deranged man who kidnaps a, yep, yep, a, a yep. woman and uh, tries to make her fall in love with him because yeah. uh, that always uh, works and I, indeed and I thought what it if I remember rightly, what redeems it, what makes it palatable is, is that the protagonist is so uh, impassive in many mm. other ways uh, yeah. and kind of hopeless. And so the, in some ways the, the woman kind of has a lot more power, Completely, even though yeah. she is the mm. submissive. Um, but don't quote me on that because I haven't seen it for 30 years. Well, no, so that's yeah. not that long, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the other reason I was excited about the choice that you made was also because those two films um, uh, are, um, you know, 19 uh, Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown mm-hmm. was a VHS smash hit. Yeah. It was, um, you could kind of lump it in with uh, Betty Blue, Jean de Florette, and Cinema Paradiso as Completely. films that, uh, where there was a wider appetite for foreign language films. Yeah, yeah. And they became kind of hits that were. Almost became mainstream, and Very much so. Um, and so um, I tried to find the box of the original VHS, which I've got stashed somewhere of Women on the Verge, and it's one of those outsized boxes, oh, kind of a big square one that was very striking, mm. and um, and also because it's our thirtieth birthday next month, yes. and, it, and 1989 being a very significant year, yeah. of course. Uh, you know, Al Motivar is, is front and center yeah. um, of uh, of um, what I'm thinking about doing is having a sort of shrine to 89. Oh, fantastic. Uh, just for you know, a month, if I get round to it. <laughs> and, uh, and so it's, it's, it's timely. I'll remind that you. That you chose El Motivar. <laughs> yeah, no, fantastic film. Um, we, what other notes have I got here? We haven't talked about his gayness. <laughs> well, there's not a lot to say. <laughs> he is both gay and a gay icon. Yeah, totally. Um, but his... But you know, homosexuality is something that, actually, just thinking about his his filmography is um, is very much not really to the fore. Well, it's, it's not kind important. Of, no, it's not. Which is kind of interesting. Yeah, I think. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not uh, necessarily part of his brand. Of course not. Yeah, he just makes brilliant films. Sure. Mm. But he has made a few average ones. Do you think? Oh yeah, absolutely. But okay. then so's everyone. Okay. Really. Name one. What, what what haven't you been so enamoured with? Can you remember? Can I remember? I um, so put me on the spot. Okay, well, while you're no, no, looking, on. one of my faves is Talk to Her. Oh, I love Talk I to Her. I think that's yep. stunning. No, um, I didn't actually write a list. I really like Live Flesh. Do you, do you know I, that one? I, well, I have, I have, I've seen them all. I just Yeah, so that one's based on Ruth Rendell's um, mystery, so it, was, mm-hmm. it wasn't an original screenplay. Um, but then there are others that have just kind of been a bit middling, like maybe Broken Embraces or mm. The Flower of My Secret, where you kind oh, of, actually, yeah, yeah. where you kind of, even Julieta, his last one, yeah. I felt inconsequential. Yeah. Nice, I think I, 
I think you're right. Enjoyed it, but kind of ho hum. I shrugged at the end. Mm. But I, I think there are there are two directors, and Tarantino is the other one mm-hmm. that I kind of forgive an awful lot just because I have so much respect for them, and sure. and I'm hanging out for the next film. Yeah. Well, you um, said that already about I'm so excited. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So there you go. It's it's yeah. They they can do a lot wrong, and I'll still forgive them. <laughs> well said. So, Mary, do you would you describe yourself as more of a book person than a film person, or how how has that evolved your relationship with stuff? I think I always used to be a book person, and then I learnt about film twenty mm. um, odd years ago, mm-hmm. and became a film person, and I stopped reading quite a lot, which was very unusual for me. Yeah. And now I'm back to books. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think I describe myself as either. Really, mm. I, I appreciate and adore both film and books. Um, I used to love going to the cinema, and I really, really appreciate the fact that you know if you see something on the big screen, it's going to be millions of times better than seeing it on a small screen. Mm-hmm. But maybe I'll edit that bit out. But anyway, sorry. Okay, it's fine. I'm joking. <laughs> but may, maybe I don't know whether it's an age thing or a comfortable at home thing, or it's cheaper, mm. <laughs> or what mm. it is, but. Because I've actually started really loving just you know having a cosy night in with a with a DVD, mm-hmm. and I do say a DVD because we mm-hmm. do still get DVDs out, not as much as we perhaps ought sure. to, but you know there's there's something about that whole mm-hmm. thing of mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Um, Zach goes to every single film the moment it's released, and so I do miss out on a lot because then mm. I want to watch it at home and he's already seen it. But okay. if it's good, he'll watch it again. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't I don't think I'd label myself. Yes. So I did ask um, uh, whether Zach and uh, you know who I know well yes. uh, as a as a customer and also somebody who's um, I've dealt with professionally because he works at Nataonga. Mm-hmm, uh, he does indeed. And um, but uh, he, I asked him if he wanted to share the spotlight with his uh, with his better half, <laughs> and you Thank begged you. him. Um, but uh, he shied away. He did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, but doesn't he have a radio show on, on he Active? He does. He does the indie show. Yeah. Does he speak? Active. He does. He didn't okay. used to. Okay. Oh, my gosh. In the early right. days, you just have, what was it, two hours worth of really cool music. Hmm. And he got complaints. So, oh, okay. Um, just from friends. So now he does actually, <laughs> he talks a bit more. And he's he, he sounds lovely on the yeah. radio. Yeah, good. So, yeah. No, yeah that, for some good. reason, I thought he was English. And I don't know why that was, because no. you pointed it out to me. But you are, and you, said, you mentioned something before about a Brixton thing. I did. Are you from Brixton? I'm not, no. No, I'm from Brist- Wil- no you're Bristol. I'm from Wiltshire. Right. You said something about Bristol. Bristol logic. Oh, ship shape in Bristol fashion. <laughs> yeah, never heard of it. <laughs> Have you not? No, I oh, haven't. I'm sorry. Sure. So is that... A, Neat and tidy. Okay, so Bristol is a port? A, a, so the ship shape is related yeah, to this? Yeah, Bristol's um, a very large city in the um, west of the yeah. UK, west yeah. of England. I, I know. Yeah. Port is headed from there. Yes. Yeah. Well, nearby. Yeah. 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 But I'm from very near Stonehenge. Um, okay. Beautiful, but sure. not much going on. So, how long have you been in New Zealand? 11 years. 11 years? Yes. I thought you were much longer than that. No. Oh, you're just, uh, you're just off the I boat. I know, I know. Oh, my gosh. So, uh, yeah, so I feel like I've known you that long. So we you have. Know, yeah. I think one of the first thing. In fact, I joined RO Video when I first visited back in 1999. Oh, okay. So you'd visited. I visited, became a member because I, I just loved the place. Okay. And then went, I was just on holiday, came back in 2003 for another holiday, 
came back again, and then we moved here in 2008. Okay. So Zach was over in England with you for a while? Yeah, well, we met... Um, it's very romantic. We met working in a second-hand bookshop on Charing Cross Road. Oh, nice. Yeah, so... Yeah, um, good. Yeah, he was, he was doing... He did his OE a mm. hundred years ago and just stayed in London because he right. loved it. Nice. And then house prices got ridiculous, etc., etc. So I said, well, I'm moving to New Zealand. Do you want to come? And he mm-hmm. went, OK. Cool. Now, you mentioned... So it's a very romantic story about Charing Cross Road. And I noticed that when, I, uh, when, when you adopted your movie, you know, which was today, in order to meet the, the requirements, <laughs> that... Um, yep. That I actually owed you an adopter movie because you bought a patron pack a while back, That's true, and you were going ago, and yeah. you were going to make a decision as to what movie you were going to adopt. So I'm I'm giving you another one. That is extremely uh, and kind. so and so I'm thinking already. Eighty four Charing Cross Road, Cross Road <laughs> is, well, a, is an obvious one. It has to be, doesn't it? But really? it could be free to run, mm. uh, which you you haven't seen. That's true. But That's you know. True. Which are you more passionate about, the running or, or um, meeting Zach? Oh, God. well, that's a question. Jeepers. <laughs> um, Zach, if you're listening... <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't possibly answer that. No, I, it was a rhetorical question. Yeah. Um, so does that mean I'm, I've, I've just loaded the... You know, you're going to take me seriously on which one you choose. No, I mean, I, I mean 84 Charing Cross Road... What do you think sense. of that movie? Um, I can't remember it to be honest. Or did you did you did, did your version of it was that so much more? Well, I read the book. Interesting. And I can't remember what I thought of the film. I remember enjoying the book. Mm. But I can't remember what. I thought but Charing Cross Road is famous for its bookshops. Yes, is that correct? It is, but it's a real shame that um, rent increases have kind of shoved all the bookshops out there. Yeah. The bookshop that Zach and I met in has now been bought by who was then Jill, who was our manager there, which is absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's brilliant that she's got it still. And you're and still in touch with we're her? We're still in touch mm. with her, yeah. Mm. Um, and she's actually married to a New Zealander as well. Oh, OK. So but they, living they, in... Living in London, in London yeah. yeah. Um, Michael Kewey. So that they, they come over um, right. every so often. So we still keep in touch. OK. And so she must be really excited yeah, about what you're yeah. doing. Oh, and, she is, and, yeah. Um, yeah. You might be able to get some special... You know, imports or whatever. Well, secondhand, they are yeah. secondhand and win you. So, oh, I see. So no. <laughs> okay, is that something you've considered um, doing secondhand? Yeah, uh, I it, mean, it's, the margins are good. Yeah, absolutely right. We we want to open first and actually mm. see what our customer base is going to be, because <clears throat> uh, Nick and I both have have ideas of of who we want to sell our books to and what kind of books we want to. Sell. So we're going to have a. It's going to be a general independent new book shop. Um, but we're going to have a very strong science slant, obviously, with the Schrodinger thing. Mm. But if our customers don't want to buy science books, mm. then we'll think about what mm. they actually do want. Because, you know, not every single person walking down Jackson Street wants to buy a science book. So mm. we, we, we're very open to actually seeing what people want. Mm-hmm. So if there's, a, if there's a, you know, if we can, if we can sell second-hand books, books as mm. well, then why not? Sure. Give it a go. So just on the science aspect, uh, is there a... Um, 
is there a wholesale market or is there is there something that you've already got in mind around how, who you would sell science books to like yeah. institutions or or um, or students or is, is there is yeah, that, are you thinking about well, that marketing completely to, to begin with um, we're selecting what we're, tr- what we're trying to so Nikki has ordered some quite highbrow science books because she used to work at GNS and so she's got a lot of um, colleagues next colleagues who want those you know real highbrow proper science books Whereas um, when I'm seeing the reps, I'm saying to them, okay, I want I want your general books, but I want them to ha- try and have a connection with science. So, for example, I read a book and I, of course, can't remember the name of it. It was a young adult book, The Square Root of Summer. Mm-hmm. And I could, uh, of course, I can't remember the author. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's a really nice, you know, um, a book about summer. Mm-hmm. But it's got a proper science connection. It's all about. I'll try not to give too much away. There's a sort of a, a time travel aspect to it, and I mm. adore time travel. Mm. And so that's just one example. You know, there are so many books out there that have a. You know, even if it's just a, a clinging on by a tiny thread connection to science, we'll buy it. And because, to my knowledge, there aren't any other sort of science-specific bookshops in the region. Mm. We've also, you know, we talked to all the other booksellers and there's a lot of people saying, oh, you know, people come in and ask for science books. We Now we know where to send them. So, oh, yeah, 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 that's yeah. kind of where we're going. You're going to have a website? Yes, we are. Yeah, it's, I mean, that is, of course, another... work in progress. Sure, because that's... Uh, that's another of Nikki's specialities. She's right, great at that. Right, right. So, yeah. Oh, that's, that's cool. Yeah, so she's um, working on it. Because it's another burden, really. Mm, you know, absolutely. opening a shop is kind of like one thing, and then it's yeah. kind of like, oh, how do we represent ourselves online, and, and how far do we go, and yeah. you know, how long's a piece of string? You know, Precisely. I'm I'm in that situation. You know, I'm I sure. could I could I could spend twenty four seven on our website and still never finish. Mm. Uh, so, uh, so there's a, um, but but when you would, um, can I ask about? Going back to the beginning, really, which is uh, opening a bookshop in in 2019, mm. and uh, and and science books, and uh, you know we're all. I didn't go to the library to look up um, Almodova uh, uh, research. You yeah, know, no, I, you just went online. Indeed. So, mm. what is the what's your general feeling about where we are with reading uh, physical media, and 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 how is that? How's your view of it changed since mm. you? came up with the idea of yeah. opening a bookshop. I think I think there are a lot of people, myself included, who love the physical object, which is a book. Um, I think second-hand books just... Oh, second-hand books are amazing, but new books, they just have something. That thrill of learning, rather like Almodovar is... You know, there's a new film of his. I'm so excited, and I don't even care if it's no good. I just... I have to see it. Mm. It's the same if your favourite author is... Let's look at um, Atwood, Margaret Atwood. She's got a new book coming out um, as sort of a sequel to The Handmaid's Tale. I mean, how exciting is that? The Testaments. It's People are... We've had pre-orders for that. We're not even open. It comes out on the 10th of September, and we've already pre-sold, in theory, um, about 10 copies. Mm. So you, there are still people who want that physical book. There are still a lot of people who love to come in and have a browse and end up buying something they didn't know they wanted. So there will always be a place for books, uh, Mm -hmm. bookshops. I also have a Kindle. I haven't picked up my Kindle in I do not know how long. There's a place for a Kindle. If you're going on a long trip, if you're going travelling, a Kindle is fantastic. 
but the reading of a book on Kindle to the reading of a book, the physical book, it's a whole different experience. Mm. Um, it actually ch- the, the content. It feels like the content changes, and I, I, I just think you know we went through that sort of um, the 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 Google age, or you know everything's available just at the click of a, a button. But I think we're over that now, and I think we've actually realised that that it's really really important to pick up a book and sit down, switch off focus on the story mm, mm, and I have to confess I'm in the middle of reading a book and I just want to get back and read it mm, and I've spent the whole day going oh I wonder what's going to happen and what's going to mm, happen to her next mm, mm. so there'll always be a place for books for sure I guess the only other thing really is the value proposition mm. and it's uh, books are traditionally expensive in New Zealand yeah yeah they and are so that's something that you and then you have to look at your margins and yeah. and, and so forth so mm. well, what is the average hardback or, or the average uh, so, uh, paperback what, what do they retail well, like these days it, it about does, 25 for a, yeah. for a paperback yeah I mean it does yeah. it does vary depending on um, the author Mm. So you can, you mean it's sort of like your Penguin um, classics can be mm. a lot cheaper, but mm. your new books, um, hardbacks can be thirty five, mm. and you you're absolutely right that that I think books are a lot more expensive in this country than certainly in the UK, but in a lot of other places. But we're sort of used to that now, and mm. so if you go into a shop and you see that something's thirty five dollars, twenty five dollars, you're not going to go oh it's more expensive here than it is somewhere else. I'll go somewhere else. Mm. Because we will all, I think most people, we certainly are, we're selling at um, recommended retail price. Mm. Um, We don't have to, but we don't see the point in not really because, you know, we're we're not in competition with each other. We want to complement each other. Mm. And just on that note, the Wellington book um, community is I have never come across such a supportive and awesome bunch of people. Mm. So, you know, we're not in competition. We want to help each other. Mm. But that's just a, mm. an aside. You've, you've you're making a great case for that. <laughs> <laughs> Sign me up. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think that um, going back to your experience of retailing in in, in the shoe you know, running shoe trade, you know, yep. and and offering that personal service mm. in that way, and yep. doing the same for books is exactly. is really valuable. Yeah. So you'll get those repeat customers. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, and one other thing that we're going to be doing is, um, you know. If you have children, they go to parties all the time, but they don't tell you that they're going to a party. Oh, mum, dad, I've got a party, a so-and-so's party is tomorrow. What? So what does poor mum or dad have to do? So what they can do is they can phone us, say, um, little Jimmy is going to um, a party, it's a six-year-old boy, find me a good book, wrap it up, we'll be down in 20 minutes to pick it up. Mm. And so being able to provide... A service like that to people, I think, is really, really good. And it, it, you're right. It does. It builds up relationships, and it gives us that um, that personal touch. They will be able to. They they can rely on the fact that we know what we're talking about. We'll be able to um, advise them on the the latest books and what what's good for them. Mm. Um, yeah. So mm. it will take a bit of practice for us. I haven't done it for for years now. But, sure. Yeah. The other thing that um, comes up. Uh, is is managing your inventory so it's it's mm. nice to in your mind's eye have uh you know that uh hypothetical customer yeah and uh, that they will ask a question and you will just 
go to your illustrious collection and pick out this, this, and the other, and yeah. and and, and uh, in an ideal world. But of course, you've got to manage that stock, and that stock sits on the shelf, it and does. it costs you money. It does. So, are there are there healthy sale or return arrangements yeah. Yeah. with publishers? With most of the publishers, yes. Yeah. Some of them, it's firm sale, so you have to be very, very careful about what you do, obviously, buy. Um, and if it doesn't sell, you're stuck with it. Mm. Which will be a problem. So, what what sort of percentage is uh, would, would the would that just be a twenty percent of the of the market, or like, um, is it predominantly sale return? Well, it's no, it, yes, it is. It's predominantly sale return or sale exchange. So, um, we you, you pretty much get three months. If it hasn't sold within three months, you get the option of then selling it back. If it has sold, but it sold ages ago, and you don't think it's going to sell again, you can still send it back. So you know there there are there are all sorts of different ways of dealing with um, mm. unsold stock, and one really really simple way is just move things around. Mm. So you probably know this as well from you know where your shelves are. Mm. People tend to look at a at a certain height. So if you've got books down on the on the bottom shelf. Mm-hmm. And they're not selling. Move them to the to a higher shelf mm-hmm. where it's eye level. Yeah, um, sure. And again, this is all theoretical because we haven't actually opened our, mm-hmm. our doors mm-hmm. yet. But yeah, yeah, we'll see. I mean, for somebody that hasn't run their own business and somebody that hasn't worked in the book trade, you're sounding very much. Well, I've, I have worked in the. I've, I've, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That so was, I do. I've, I feel right. like I know a lot about books. But it hasn't. It's been 15 years since you've been in the um, book trade. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, at least yeah. yeah sure. But we've um, we've had the most amazing mentors. So I talked about the Wellington book people who have been amazing. We've had the most amazing mentors in Lou and Gareth Ward, who run Wardini's in Havelock North and mm. Napier. Brilliant. And we couldn't have done any of this without them. Oh, They've that's... been on the end of a phone or a text for the whole journey that we've been through. So yeah, fantastic amazing people. Fantastic. No, yeah. that that is. Mm. That is and Lou and I went to university in Wales. Sorry, who did? Lou from right, Rodini's. Right, yeah, right, so yeah. we've known each other for oh, okay. forever. Oh, so, wow. Cool. Yeah. So she's yeah. also British? Yes. yes. Uh, there's another British connection. I, um, someone um, that used to be my next door neighbour for years, Tammy Raffel. She's the oh. representative for HarperCollins, yes, I think. She's awesome. Yes, so she's, you know, oh, I can yeah. see you getting along very well with her. She's fantastic. Yeah. Oh so she's been doing it for donkeys years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, That's funny. <laughs> now, you were saying I've got a terrible memory and you were struggling to, to remember this book or that book. How's that going to work in terms of your customer service? Well... Have you going to... You just... Com- no, computer? well, there will be an element of computer, but I, yeah. th- I think um, it's more of... So I think it's more my brain. So if I if I watch a film or I read a book... I absolutely love it at the time, but I don't store it <laughs> um, because I want to make room for other new films mm-hmm. and books. Um, but I, I feel like I know my stock. So I've been ordering all these books and I feel like once we put them on the shelves, I know exactly where they are. And I, we, we're reading all the books. Um, and if we're not reading them all, we're reading the reviews and we're talking to people. So it's I feel like they'll be more like friends rather than a film or a book if that I, makes I was going to say you, you needn't worry because mm. yeah, once you're working in it yeah, yeah. Uh, your brain will tell you you need to know this stuff exactly. and you will know it exactly yeah, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> you haven't needed to know up until yeah exactly so that's all good um, very good um, 
there was one other f- festival film that I saw that's related to this subject just mm-hmm. before we wrapped things up. Okay. Um, it was a film called Nonfiction, French film. Oh, Did you see that? No, I didn't. No. I think Zach saw it. Right. That doesn't help, does yeah, it? it? It was a bit one note, as uh, mm. somebody who I overheard exiting uh, said. Um, however, it was very pertinent to this idea of um, physical media versus digital media. Uh-huh. And it, it was a little bit perhaps dated because the trouble is when you deal with that subject, you know, you, 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 know, you make your film and then it comes out two years later and things have moved well on. Yeah, completely. So there was lots of talk of Kindle versus real books and so, yeah. so forth. Um, and it had Juliet Binoche in it. Mm. And it was very French because mm. they were all sleeping with one another and saying, it's all cool. That's what they do yeah, with Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Been having an affair with your best friend for six years, but we're coming over for the barbecue anyway. Fantastic. I've just summed up the film in ten <laughs> I seconds. I don't need to watch it now, thank you. No, you, you. don't. But anyway, <laughs> um, it's been lovely having you here. Um, very best of luck. Thank you very with much. With Schrodinger's Books and Petoni. Yep. Opening, what's the date? Uh, t- uh, no, no, no. August the something? 31st of August. 31st of August. Yeah, which is a Saturday, the day before Father's Day. Wonderful. So, uh, yeah, um, but I think presents. that uh, you will need luck because we all need luck. But yes. I think, um, you know, you seem to be completely on the right track and I have total faith that it's going to be awesome. Thank you very much. I am really looking forward to it. So thank yeah, you very yeah, much. Yeah. Um, see you soon. Again, thank you, Mary. Thank you. It's been lovely. Cheers. hope you enjoyed that and thanks to my RO colleague Svenda Strom who recorded that episode and to Garage Project who provided the ales uh, made here in RO Street. Uh, So there's always something that gets overlooked when I conduct these interviews and strangely I forgot to mention that Mary's actually a horror movie fanatic uh, even though she told me later she doesn't read horror fiction but when she and her husband Zach come into the store I often defer to recommending them horror movies so in the spirit of this They needed to choose a secondary title to adopt because I forgot that I owed them one and after much conferring they chose neither 84 Charing Cross Road or the running documentary Free to Run or AVP, Alien vs Predator, but instead the 1967 British Hammer horror movie called Quatermass and the Pit. Apparently Zack saw this film at a long since closed state theatre in Petoni, the same Wellington suburb as the about-to-be-opened Schrodinger's books. I also mentioned Pepe Lucy Bomb as the only Almodovar film that we don't have in our library, and this is available to adopt if you're a fan of Almodovar and subversive comedy, um, as the film has since been classified in New Zealand long after its release in 1980. Another film that came to mind um, afterwards was the uh, documentary What the Bleep Do We Know, which has practical application to uh, quantum physics. Apart from that, uh, if you'd like to support the store and this podcast directly, you can adopt a movie for yourself or someone you know by getting in touch directly or through the website. It costs $35 and you can adopt a movie also through our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash rovideo where you can uh, pay on a month-by-month basis. Through Patreon, we have a range of ways and levels you can support us as well. 
Uh, one option is to become a home delivery friend for US $14 a month where you receive two guaranteed quality mystery movies from the Arrow Video recommended playlist replete with tasting notes and if you receive a title you've already seen or you don't much fancy it you can receive a bonus title the following month. In other news I must tell you recently we lost our beloved neon sign due to deterioration and damage and have been quoted thousands of dollars to have it restored and reinstated so I'm in the throes of putting together a crowdfunding campaign to see if this is something the public thinks is worth saving. Uh, so stand by for that and also our 30th birthday celebrations in September 2019. Finally, it's always good to get feedback, so don't be shy to get in touch by coming into the store, sending us a message by email, social media, podcast platforms, or you could post us a handwritten letter or use the old telephone. Until next time, ka kite anō.